Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. Are you excited for fall? Okay, some people were okay with the pumpkin spice thingamadingy that you just talked about. Come on, today is football day too, right? Anybody football fans? No, no one? Okay. All right, well, I'll see you all later. That was fun, right? Like, <laughs> My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here on this team, and it is great to have you here, especially if you're for the first time. Welcome to our church. Thanks for taking some time out of your weekend to come and do this with us. I got to tell you, over the course of the last number of months, I've been infatuated with this, this TV show, and perhaps some of you have seen it, uh, but it is this show called Alone. Anybody seen Alone? Like, this is, this is a fantastic show. So this idea, it's Canadian premise, uh, they take 10 random people, they drop them off somewhere in Canada and say, fend for yourself and try to survive. And so the very first season was what caught my attention because it was placed on North Vancouver Island. This is why you need to go watch this show. So they just drop some people off in the forest and we're like, good luck, you know, like we'll see you next time. And so what happens with these contestants is they're allowed to take 10 items with them. That's it. And this is all about survival. 10 items. They're given a kit that shows, uh, you know, microphone and camera so that they could record what's happening. And I got to tell you, if you've not seen Alone, it is fantastic. Tons of fun, like bears, cougars, wolves, things like that. Fishing, trying to catch things, building a canoe, chopping down trees to build a house in the forest. Like, it is nuts. But I've been caught with this. But in particular, with this, with this first season being on the coast, I'm always drawn by the ocean. Anybody like the ocean? Like, I love, I love the ocean. So the ocean, particularly this way, though, that when these contestants would go to bed at night, they'd wake up in the morning and the tide had left. But on their beach, there were things that had suddenly shown up for them. And one of the rules of the game is that you could take that which just randomly shows up. And so what is washed up onto the beach are things like old bottles that you have drank from and that I have drank from. It is fishing net that's come up from the bottom of the ocean or other articles. And the idea for these contestants is that they can repurpose all of those items in order to have survival in their lives. How many of you would like to be alone and afraid on Vancouver Island and try this game right now? All right, one person. All right, we'll do it together. <laughs> but the idea is that this junk that is washed up onto the beach because the tide is left is, is an option for them in their survival. And it got me thinking as we're starting into a brand new season together and a new theme and a new direction for our church, it, it was this, that how many of you have noticed that in the last three years of our world that it has impacted us in a way that we've never expected for it to happen? And what got me thinking is this, is that the tide is out and what is now revealed is on your surface. So there are some things that have gone on in your heart and in your life. The tide is out, but you are exposed. And the idea today is we want to take a look at what does this mean for us walking into a new season? And to do that, we're going to take a look at another new book in our series and it is going to take us to the book of Daniel. Now, Daniel is another one of those apocalyptic books. We kind of just did the revelation thing, but here we go with another book. And so I want to read and kind of set a context for what we're going to do over the course of this next year and kind of breathing in some vision and direction for us as a church starting today. It says, During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And the Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah, and he permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia. Somebody say Babylon. Babylon. 
and he placed them in the treasure house of his God. And then the king ordered Asphenaz, this chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. And we kind of learn a little bit about who those people are in verse 6. And it says, Now Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, other words known to many of us today as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny. Right? You got to go to the VeggieTale version. And all of these young men were chosen. They were stolen from their land, and they were taken into the king's palace in Babylon. So that's going to be where we're going to spend a lot of our time this year, is trying to figure out Daniel and his buddies in Babylon. But before Babylon even comes, Isaiah chapter 43 is really where I want to spend my time here today. This is the theme verse for us as a church family, and I want to speak it over to us right now, and I want you to begin to memorize this because there's a lot of depth in it. So although they're about to go into Babylon and God has told the Israelites, you're going. I mean, you have, you've made a mess of this thing. You're going. This is what God says to them. But I am about to do a new thing. I am about to do something new in you. And see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. In the midst of the tide going out and what has been left on the surface, God is speaking a word to Israel and to you today, and this is what he's saying. I'm about to do a new thing, so will you be ready? So will you pray with me, and let's investigate this together. Father, thank you for this day, and thank you for amazing friends. Uh, this has been a good morning so far, so continue to teach us is what I pray, and I ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. Come on, everybody said. This morning, I'm going to speak to us from the subject, a new thing. Turn to a neighbor and say a new thing. All right. All right. Here we go. How many of you have enjoyed Revelation? Like over the last several months. Wow. Been fantastic. Pastor Tyson, you know, smashed out some two incredible messages over these last few weeks. I really liked it. Our best looking pastor speaking truth and life over us. Spoiler alert, he's the best looking right now, but I will change it to somebody else later, right? It's just how it goes. But I still believe it. Okay, it cheapened it. It totally cheapened it. <laughs> now, here's the deal. You thought that we were done with Revelation, but we're just getting started again. All right, and so we're going to take a look at this because all of a sudden in our text today out of Daniel chapter 1, we are introduced to Babylon. Somebody say Babylon. We've learned about Babylon over these last number of uh, months, actually, as to what is Babylon. Now, in this particular case, it's, it's modern-day Iraq, um, but in the Bible times, Babylon was this powerhouse. And what we knew about Babylon is that they were a, a culture that ejected God from the middle of their, of their lives. They didn't want nothing to do with them. In Revelation, we learned that this is the great prostitute and how there are other great prostitutes that have run. And I know that may sound weird, but go back in time and you can listen to some of those online. But we see that Babylon is representative. It's an archetype of the imperial power and the culture that has permeated our world today. And I, I, I want to on this stage uh, say this to all of us. I am convinced that we are living in Babylon right now. I really do. I think that we have an enemy at play whose name is Satan, and he wants nothing more than to take you out and to take you down, and he's going to do that through Babylon. He's going to do that through culture and where we live. Daniel and his buddies, the whole nation of Israel, were literally 
taken to Babylon. And they were taken to Babylon because of what the text shows us a little bit further. And I didn't read this exactly to you out of Psalm or Isaiah 43, but it says this, But dear family of Jacob, you refuse to ask for my help. You have grown tired of me, Israel, and you have not brought me sheep or goats or burnt offerings to the extent. What we're seeing in this text is that these people are taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. They're exiled because of three things. And this text shows us that they refuse to ask God for help. They are tired of God and they chose not to give anymore. Their economy, their resources. Now let me ask you, Canada, do you think here in our nation we have refused God for help? Do you think by any chance that we have become tired of God in our nation? And have we stopped giving what God has asked for us to give, to be the most generous people that this world has ever seen? Now, we talk about that on the sweeping scale of a nation, but let me ask, is that a picture of you? Something to consider. In, our, in June, actually, our pastors, I, I took them away for a retreat. It was there where we wanted to get an idea and an angle as to where we wanted to lead the church in this next year. It was the first time we've collaboratively done this together. It was a beautiful time. But we talked about at our retreat that the tide has gone out, but there's stuff that is left on the surface for our church, and we need to address it. We need to talk about what we see that has been left by the tides that have left us. And so as we talked, we, we, we said some of these things, and I, I'm just, I'm giving you the the goods as to what we did. Like, we talked about you. <laughs> we talked about us. And we saw these things, that there are a lot of people who are disconnected after these last few seasons. We have a lot of people who are disengaged, period. Um, fear, apathy. Um, there has been frustration because some of us are like, I'm so stuck right now, I don't even know what to do. I've had this situation happen in my life, I just don't know what I'm gonna do with this. Anxiety has come in, uncomfortable positions and feelings have happened. We've learned that many people, and this is not a judgment, we're just saying that some people are still preferring the, the TV versus the in-person. And we love our online audience. We're gonna keep doing it. But we've noticed that the tide has gone out and this is what's on the surface for us. And so what do we do? I think we're seeing that Babylon, who's under the dictatorship of the great red dragon, Satan, he's kicked us in the gut. He's stranded many of us and some of us are just saying, like, Sean, I'm just trying to survive this thing. I don't know what to do or I don't know how to do it, but what do I do? And I'm telling you, we discussed these realities. We sought God's face for how we think we could maybe see the temperature change for our church moving into the season. And that's where you land on vision. And so we kind of come to this place today of what is vision? What are we going to do with vision in order to get us forward and to move us to where God wants? And we understand this out of Proverbs 29. It says uh, that where, where there is no vision, the people die. Aren't you encouraged you came to church today? <laughs> Without vision, you perish. And this is important for us to understand today because then when it comes to vision, it, not only is it a collective thing that we're going to do as a church, but vision is, is individual. Let me ask you, what's your vision for your life? Well, I don't know what to do. That's okay. I'm, I, we're going to help you through that, but what's the vision? 
And oftentimes we find that with vision, it's so grandiose. It's got to be so big that it makes sense and it's like people are like, yeah, let's do that. So, I mean, we're talking, we're going to go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're going to construct this massive new building and it's got to be grandiose and it's got to be as big. And so that got me thinking. And so today for the very first time, I'm super excited to announce to you the vision for our next year and what we're going to do with it. But we're going to go into a massive building project. Are you excited to come with me on this? This is going to be fantastic. And I know some of your faces, board members and staff alike are thinking, we have not talked about this. <laughs> so what are you doing right now? Because if I were to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it would say this. Do you not know? Do you not know that your body is a temple? It is a building of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do today is I want to breathe some vision to your building. I want to say to us today that we're about to go on a, a reconstruction project. We're going to go on a building project together. And guess what? You're the product of what we're going after. <laughs> Come on, somebody. This is, what is he doing? <laughs> I don't know. But here's the deal. Daniel and his friends are taken into Babylon. They're in exile. This is not a good place to be. The last number of years that we have lived, not a good place to be. So what if, what if you didn't just have to survive in Babylon, but that you could thrive in it? Would you take it? Would you take it? Now, the context, like I have shared already, is pre-Babylon. So this is before they get there, and our theme verse out of Isaiah 43, verse 19, it is a foretelling of the future. God has basically said to Israel, I'm done with you. I'm sick and tired of this. You've ejected me from the middle, and I'm, I don't want to be here anymore. So I'm going to send you for 70 years into captivity with ruthless rulers in a foreign nation. Could you imagine what that must have felt like, of being taken from your homeland, Canada, and planted in the United States of America? <laughs> I don't know why I picked them, but anyway. But this is what they did. Could you imagine the feelings that these people were going through? Let me, let me read a couple to you today that I think were there. Disconnected, fear, anxious, uncomfortable. Does that sound familiar to some of the things that we have experienced in the last little while? The tide for Israel had gone out, and what was left on the surface was not looking good. But... God. Somebody say, but. See, then that's where God begins to do a work. And it is here in our text, especially in the Daniel one, where God wants to give another apocalypse. Now, again, if you haven't been a part of our Revelation series, an apocalypse is not the end of the world type of thing. It's not zombies are going to come and get you and take you out. An apocalypse is a reveal. It is a place of hope. And so what God does, although he's sending them to exile, he's about to give them an apocalypse He's about to say, but I've got something for you, and I want us to pay attention to what he has. The reason that God sets us up for future and for hope is something that Pastor Tyson said to us last week through a quote by Dallas Willard, which says, the human mind must have a picture of the future because that will shape your present-day reality. So let's get an admission again today. How many of you have struggled in the last three years in one sort of fashion or another? Okay, more hands. I like this. We're getting honest with this. And yet God says, okay, 
But even in that, I'm about to do something for you. Are you excited that God's got something for you? So what does he have for us? So not only have we learned that this text out of Isaiah is a future predictive, and what I mean by that is that it was written 600 years before Jesus even showed up onto the earth, 600, six centuries. Fascinating to me. So it's a future predictive text, but it is also a prophetic text in this respect. It is going to speak hope to you. It is going to speak something of life, and so I want to read that to you. So although Israel knows they're about to go to Babylon, they're about to go to exile, this is what God says. He says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, says this, for your sakes, I'm going to send an army against Babylon. I'm going to force the Babylons to flee to those ships that they are so proud of. So God is like kind of setting Israel up, like I'm about to take you into chaos. woohoo! And then I'm also going to bring the Redeemer for you within this. So yeah, you're going to kind of endure it for about eight decades. But then I'm going to, I'm going to do something for you. Because he says, I am the Lord, the Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters. I made a dry path through the sea. I called forth a mighty army of Egypt with all of its chariots and its horses. And then I drew them beneath the waters and they all drowned. Woo, that is awesome, right? Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlestick. But forget all of that because it is nothing compared to what I'm about to do. Now listen to this. He says that I am about to do something new. I'm about to do a new thing. And see it? I've already begun it. Do you not see it nor perceive it? I'm going to make a pathway in the wilderness, and I'm going to create rivers in the dry wasteland. What I need this church to hear, and we believe pastorally for us in our direction this year, that no matter what we have walked through, no matter the tide that is left and the surface that is ugly, God is about to do a new thing with us this year. He's going to do something powerful in your life and through us. I understand, folks. This has been hard. I'm barely surviving. Babylon is raging, and we're asking, God, why? But then God says, I got a new thing for you. And so on the surface of our lives today, I want to lift four things out of this text out of Isaiah chapter 43 for us. I believe that God is placing these four things in front of us as a vision point so that we can construct your temple that is a home of the Holy Spirit of God. And this matters for us to move forward. And so the first thing that I want to share with us today is that I believe this year in the vision and the restruction and the rebuild of your life, God is about to do this first thing, and he's going to work with your identity. So we read in chapter 43, verses 1 to 3, it says, But now, Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I want us to see a couple of things about your identity first because I think some of us in this space today, your identities have been messed with over the last number of seasons. I think some of us today, we've believed the lies that are around us, that you suck, that your life is not worthwhile. I believe that an enemy has whispered into some of our lives 
and he has told you that you are no good. But this is what I understand about God, is that although an enemy will lie to you to try to seek, kill, and destroy you, my Bible also tells me that God wants to come and give you life, and life to the full. And one of the primary ways an enemy is going to thwart your followership of Jesus is through your identity, and he's going to challenge you. But in this text, we learn a couple of things. God tells us that he has formed you. It says that he knows your name. He knows your address. He also tells you that you don't have to be afraid anymore. And guess what? That's not just a great suggestion. It's a command of God. You do not have to be afraid. Notice what he says. It's not about if. It says when. It's not if you're going to go through the waters, if you're going to go through the fire. It's like when. Again, are you encouraged today? You're going to go through some stuff, but God is saying, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to whisper into your ear again, and I'm going to teach you some of the things that I see about who you are. You are chosen today, and I'm here to tell you that in this next year, God wants to refresh you. He wants to speak to some of your identities, and he's going to tell you that you are his, and he loves you. Identity. The second thing that um, I want to kind of lift up uh, today is that you need to um, remember but, but forget. Now, he, he reminds them in these few verses here today as, I, as I'm reading it. He says, listen, I want you to look what I've done, but then I want you to completely forget all about it. <laughs> okay, God, what are you doing with this thing? I want you to remember, but now forget it all. So what is he saying here? Now, to do that, I want to ask a couple of questions. What emotions and habits have emerged in you through COVID? Have you thought about this? What emotions and habits have emerged in you through COVID? But another question would be, what is a lie and what is the truth? This will be important for us to understand as we tackle with this subject right now. Egypt... um, was a pretty dominant place too, and Israel had their run-ins with Egypt. And you know, part of the story in the Old Testament is that although Israel was free, but in the wilderness, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They just wanted to go back because it was a place where they had food and security. But they were they were slaves, which is really weird. Why would you go back to that? But it's what they wanted. And and in this particular context as well, they've been taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And some of them are like, I just want to go back to Jerusalem, and they can't. And I know that some of us in this space today and online, uh, some of you have declared like, I want to go back pre-COVID. I want to get back to that space where it was just everything was good. And and all of that to say this is what I see in this text. God is not interested in your nostalgia because he's got a new thing for you is what the word says some of us with our heads and our minds we are so stuck on our nostalgia and please hear me i am not speaking anything against all of your wonderful experiences of your past because i've got them too in fact i believe that god encourages us to remind ourselves of his faithfulness and the things that he has done but he says i've got something new for you and so you don't have to live over here anymore with yesterday stuff because i want to do something new in you today romans 12 chapter 1 is a beautiful verse and it really simply says this that It's time for some of us to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, for it is a spiritual act of worship. The Sean Chapman version of this is change your stinking thinking as you approach this year. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This matters for us. And and, uh, Richard Rohr, another author and speaker, uh, used the quote in the context of pain, but I'm going to use it in the context of us. 
and especially with our faith. And he says, that which is not transformed will be transmitted. Here's the reality. Some of us are living in nostalgia land. But God is saying, you got to change, you got to transform that thinking because over here, I've got so much good for you. I want to pour out my blessings in abundance and I want to do something with my church, especially in Canada, in Victoria, and I want to make a statement to this world about who I am. And some of us have to transform the way we have been thinking through these seasons because I see your surface. But it is time to step into not the nostalgia, but the new that God has said is about to take place. Are you interested, folks, to live over here or would you rather the abundance of God? Let's not go back to Egypt. Let's not go back to the way things were. Let's say, God, now show us your glory in a new and in a fantastic way here. Now, I'm taking our t staff team through a resource uh, this year called Soundtracks by John Acuff. It is a, is a conversation on your thinking and neuroplasticity. How many of you are really thankful you're not on my staff right now, <laughs> right? But there's something about this for me because it all aligns to this idea of God saying, I want you to remember, but forget it because I got something new for you, this neuroplasticity piece and the framework of our minds and the way we think matters. It is a spiritual act of worship because of these things. Some of us in this space today, you're listening to the lie, but there's the truth of God that wants to speak to you. Some of you, you think you're a loser today. You've been called that, and you could put your own title there. You're not a loser. You're a winner. You're an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Some of you feel so trapped. I can't escape what I've gone through. My divorce, my husband, my, my kids who've left, my, lost my job, and I, you feel like you cannot, but I'm here to tell you who the sun sets free is free indeed. You're, you're not a less than person. You are a more than an overcomer in Jesus Christ. But you gotta be transformed by the thinking of your mind. So not only do I think that God is gonna adjust some of your identities this year, the second thing that I see from him in this is that I really believe that God is going to heal some of our minds and our positions that are not of God. I believe he is going to transform some of the stinking thinking that has taken place in our lives. And he's going to do something beautiful in you. Number three, the text is, it says, I want you to see it and I want you to perceive it. So a couple weeks ago, Pastor James and I were at a, a meeting together at Couch and Eye Care. And, uh, and as we stood in their um, facility, there were hundreds of lenses looking back at me. It felt kind of awkward, right? Like, but all of these lenses are looking back to me. And I understand lens, lenses, and, but, or the frames, sorry. And, but the idea of the, the frames is, you know, cool. If you want to look a certain way, great. Many of you have glass. But it's the lens that actually makes a ton of difference because if you were to place the wrong lens into the frames in which you are wearing, um, you're in trouble with your sight and the things that you get to see. And th this is interesting, right? Because I think some of us in this last season, you, you've, been, you've, you've, got the, you've got the wrong lenses on your life. The funny part of this is there are no lenses in these things, so I just poked my eyes. Like, like, <laughs> but, but this idea is, is I'm asking us today, what lenses are you wearing? Because it is here where God says, I want you to see it. I want you to perceive it. 
I want you to have an aptitude to look beyond the surface that we've been looking at together for a really long time. I want you to see something different. And what are you supposed to see and perceive? To be quite honest with you, the, the text of our, of our verse is that when God says, I'm about to do something new, he is making a statement that he's about to execute a plan 600 years from that point of where he said that. How many of you would agree that's a really long time? 600 years later, the reference is to a person whose name is Jesus. I'm about to do something new. I'm about to come and change the game for all your exiling, for all the times that you have ejected me from the center. I'm going to make one way for you, and it's going to be Jesus. But we are encouraged today that we have to see and perceive spiritually the things that God is doing in and around us. And I think many of us here today, we, we believe that. I, I can't believe it if I can't see it. But folks, you can't see if you don't believe. And this is what faith is all about for us today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. This is all about faith. And some of you are looking more at the surface than placing your faith in God. And I believe that he wants us to adjust in this season. So this is what I believe for this, in seeing and perceiving. I believe that for our church family this year, God is going to allow us to experience, experiential. He's going to allow us to experience his presence in a very real way. What do I mean? I'm believing for miracles, healing, and an outpouring of his Holy Spirit upon our church. I see this. I am perceiving this in the spirit. I believe that God wants you to experience because some of you have been experiencing so many things of these last few seasons and they don't feel good. I'm here to tell you that's not where God wants you to be because he wants you to experience a new thing. And he has moved in abundance in our past and we have been able to read the stories and to see it, but God is about to do something new for you. Come on, somebody. That is good news today. One of the ways that we want to do this together is we want to hear your story. And so today you've got a brand new word in front of you. It's testify. I'm asking you to pull out your phones at any point that you want to. You're going to text the word testify to 250-478-7113. It is time for us to also share the story because when we share the story, there's an edification that begins to happen and there is hope that begins to stir. When you begin to hear of the things that God is doing, it begins to allow your eyes to see the other things that God is in doing around you as well. And so I want you to begin to start telling the stories and we're going to share them from this stage. We're going to, we're going to provoke you to that encouragement of what God is doing because he is going to allow us to experience him in a brand new way. So help me, Jesus, with my unbelief and open the eyes of my heart this year. And the last thing that I want to share with us today is this, something new. 70 years is a really long time. Let's be honest for one thing here today. I think, as I have stated, that in Canada, we are living in Babylon today. Here's the not good news. Some of you are going to be dead, and we still haven't left Babylon. You encouraged with that? You may die still seeing the things that we're experiencing in our culture and our climate. But that's not the point. Because what God is saying is that although this nation has ejected me from their center, although that there are things going around in and around me, he's saying, I'm about to do something new. And guess what? Babylon can't stop me. And he prepared them to know that although you were going to walk through what you're going to walk through, Canada, 
your systems, government, whatever it may be, whatever hobby horse you want to jump on right now, whatever it may be, God is still saying, I could care less. I'm the one who's in charge. And I'm about to do something new. And I want to do it in people who have eyes of faith to see and perceive what I'm about to do. I want to do that with people who are not interested in yesterday, but they see tomorrow and they have excitement there. People of God who understand their identity and their fullness, that he has a plan for you and he wants to use you in that this year. See, he says, I'm about to do something new and that pointed to Jesus Christ. And here's the best news of this whole entire story. Whether it be your identity, your brain and your thinking, whether it would be your eyesight, this point is the point that you gotta walk away with because if it doesn't point to Jesus, it's worth nothing. This is all about Jesus. He says, I'm gonna do something new and that something new is gonna be Jesus. Now, Jesus is not coming back a second time. Well, that's not fully true. He's gonna come back to return for his bride. What I'm saying is he's not showing up again. For a new time. He's here and he's ready to go and he's looking for his people to move with him and to move along the paths that he has for you and I today. Here's the deal. Can I live in Babylon? Can I really live in Canada? Sean, have you, like seriously, do you know the things that we've walked through these last couple of years? Yes, I do. I was living with you in it. Can I live in Babylon? And I'm here to tell you today that yes, you can. This is why I know. In the same theme verse that I'm about to do something new, see it, perceive it, he says that I'm going to make a pathway through the wilderness and I'm going to create rivers in the dry wasteland. Amen. Anybody feel like a wilderness in your heart? Anybody feel like the wasteland is your heart? You just don't know what to do? Jerusalem was a long ways away from Babylon. This is where they wanted to be, but this is where they were. And you know what God does with the story and the person of Jesus? Is no matter where you are or no matter where you want to be, he closes the gap with Jesus. So whatever you're walking through, whatever is on your surface today, God is saying to you, will you let me close the gap? Because I'm about to do a new thing. But will you allow him the permission to do it? And so in this last point of something new and you got to see Jesus, I'm going to put my frames back on. No lenses. Because this is what I see for us. In these lenses of something new, I see Matthew chapter 9. And it says that the harvest is plentiful meaning that Jesus wants people to come to himself this year. The problem with the thing I see is that it says also that the workers are few. And then he says, okay, so Sean, if that's the case, will you ask the Lord of the harvest to send the workers? And so, guess what I've been doing? And you didn't even know. <laughs> I've been praying for you to open your mouth about Jesus this next year already. What I see is a harvest is going to come to call a church. I see it. And you know how it's going to happen? Not through me, the good-looking pastor, the singing pastor. It's going to come through you. Well, Sean, I, I don't really like to speak about my faith. Okay, get over yourself. 
I'm not an evangelist. I don't have that gift, either do I. But what I see is what would it look like? What if? What if we actually spoke about the things that we believed? What if we actually thought Jesus was who he said he was? And we would be excited to share some of that because I think some of that passion is waned for many of us who have called Christ our Lord for a long time. And the easiest way to do that, again, no judgment, when's the last time you led someone to Jesus? And what I'm asking with this is that Jesus, he wants to do something new. And I believe that that something new is he's going to bring people to his kingdom, to our family, and he's going to do it through you. Aren't you excited for that? <laughs> How many of you are scared of it with that? Because I am. But I'm just like, God, this is, this is what it is. So Daniel and his friends are going to show us how to thrive in Babylon, not just survive. I'm done with survival mode. God is about to do a new thing. And I want to be on that train with him because he, as we have discussed through Revelation, he's, he wins. I know that the tide has gone out and the surface has revealed things, but God is ready to do a new thing. And I cannot wait to watch what he does with these temples and these buildings of worship this year. Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? I've asked Pastor Josh and the team today to sing us through one more song. Because my admission to all of us here today is that as we launch into this new vision of a new thing, if we are not focused on Jesus, we, we miss it all. And this last song that he's chosen is the hymn of heaven. And like we're already joining a collection of stuff that he's doing, but I want you to speak into your life today that God wants to do something new in you. And that's why we come to this hymn of heaven, because he is holy enough to see it happen in you. So here's my question as we sing today. Number one, do you need a new identity? Because there are some of you here and online and you know full well that you've been listening to the lie your identity has been framed and shaped by something that is not right. So maybe it's identity. Maybe some of you need to change your stinking thinking. You need to get out of the nostalgia and you need to say, God, you're about to do something new and I want to be there with you. I want to be on the precipice of the lead as to what you're going to do here in this city because he wants to use you. I know that for sure. Number three, maybe you need some eyesight these days. Maybe you need faith to rise again because it's become dormant and cold. Well, then ask him. And maybe you're in this room today or online and you just don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for you. In fact, he wants to do a new thing with you. And that first new thing that he wants to do with you is he wants to be a resident in your life. He wants that relationship, but the thing about my Jesus, he's not a bully and he's not aggressive. He'll wait for you to make that decision, but he loves you, and he's got a plan for you as well. And so, as we sing this song, what one of those four things would you say, okay, God, help me with? And then we're going to come back and we'll close this up. So let's sing together today.
Father, we want to join that story today. And so, as the tide has gone out, the surface has been revealed, you want to do a new thing. And so we join with you in that today. I'm so excited for the things that you are going to do in and through us for your great name. With all eyes closed in this place, perhaps you have never, you know, accepted this something new into your life in the person of Jesus. It would be a privilege of ours to be able to lead you to him. And if that is your story today with all eyes closed, but if you would raise your hand and say, I want Jesus in my life. I want to invite him into my life for the very first time. If that's you, just raise that hand to him right now in this place. And he sees you. He knows you. Thank you for your hands. See you. And if that's your story today, Jesus, just pray this after me. Jesus, I invite you in. I want you to be that something new. I know you've got a plan for me. So I give you my sin. I give you my life. I don't know what all this is going to mean yet, but I just pray that you would be patient with me. And I invite you to be that something new, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I love you for that. So Jesus, I pray for my friends who have made that decision today. I thank you for our church family. Will you give us an incredible week recognizing that you're about to do a new thing. And so help us to see it. Help us to love it and to run after it with you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, can we give a round of applause to those who said yes to Jesus today as well? Amen. If you did raise your hand today and you want to tell somebody about it, tell the pastor, I'm here. Visit Pastor Tyson or Pastor James in the, in the Connect Center over there. Welcome, Center. And uh, also, folks, if you want to get signed up into the GLS, you have that opportunity as well still today. But welcome to everybody new. Have a great week. God is about to do a new thing. Amen. We love you, church, and we'll see you next week.